0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, I have a guest with me who is going to talk about an experiment he did in VR. So without further ado, I'm going to get to my questions for my guest. So welcome. Question number one I have for you is tell me a little bit about the study that you did.
1: Well, I did the study for my MYP personal project. And I essentially decided that I wanted to use virtual reality um, and determine its effectiveness and see if we could use it as a cure for specific phobias. And then in the context of the study, I decided to determine whether we could use virtual reality as a cure for acrophobia or the fear of heights.
0: Wow. So, of course, lots of listeners out there, their first sort of probe or quandary might be, why did you decide to use VR to do this in the first place? I think VR is... A bit of an emerging technology and it's really interesting especially
1: with the exposure that we've gotten through our school and through our classes I think that it really intrigued me and so I decided that it would be really interesting to explore its effectiveness in this
0: project. So tell us a little bit more about your experimental design or the procedure that you used and went through to conduct this amazing study in VR. Uh, Essentially what I did was I developed in a
1: program called Modbox Three Rooms of progressively increasing heights. Um, And then I ran a few patients through each of these rooms once a day for a period of about five days. And this kind of allowed me to determine through uh, a quantitative measure their heart rate and through a qualitative measure, just a form that they filled out after the tests were done, um, whether or not exposure to heights in VR could alter their perception of heights in reality and therefore potentially
0: decrease their fear to it. Wow, that sounds great. So let's let's unpack this a little further. Uh, when the patient went into the three separate rooms, kind of a low level room in regards to heights and then a medium room and then a room that was really high up, what did you find was sort of your greatest challenge in building those rooms inside ModBox? Uh, well, I noticed that ModBox is a great program. But it's
1: simple and it's designed to be used by, you know, it's not designed to be used as a a professional product. It's more of a consumer product. And so one of the challenges was how I could actually, one of the challenges was figuring out how I could actually create these environments and how I could, you know, get the patients onto the edge and, and, you know, challenges like that. Another challenge was that Modbox had a bug at the time where it didn't allow you to save your work. And so that was patched pretty quickly, but it was kind of frustrating in the
0: moment where I could put a couple hours of work into it and then it would all go away. So I agree with you I, I believe that mod boxes for people who are new to creating things inside VR the you know the other programs out there that I see that people are using to try and create realistic immersive VR experiences are programs like Unity or Unreal Engine why did you decide not to get into using Unity or Unreal Engine to build your rooms? I think one of the big things was that it, it's still a school project, and I don't want to put in
1: you know 10, 20, 30 hours into developing these rooms, which is something that you would need to do in programs like Unity. Um, furthermore, I'm not a great artist, and so in Unity, I, I found that oftentimes in order to have consistency among like the look of the room, you'd have to do a lot of the texturing yourself, which is something that I wasn't prepared to put the time in to do. Uh, but Modbox is great because it has you know a library of free pretextured assets as well as it has you don't have to do any actual physical programming for it.
0: So we were talking earlier about this off air, and you really felt like your project was highly successful. What made you sort of feel success in doing a project like this in VR? I think what we need to recognize with this this project
1: in an actual, you know, in reality, is that it's not going to be this end-all BR cure to a phobia, and that's primarily because we don't have an end-all BR cure to, to phobia, but I, I think the success of this project is that it, it almost acts as like a tool for psychologists to work towards curing phobias. It's not going to be 100% effective, but it's definitely going to be effective, and it's going to be, you know, an asset that they can use to help cure phobias like the fear of heights.
0: I was lucky enough to see you testing one of your subjects and you know it was really interesting to see once they got inside these VR rooms how it took them a while to feel comfortable. Had you had more time because you alluded to the idea that time wasn't on your side and you know albeit a very highly or extremely interesting project, you know you have other subjects and stuff so you couldn't dedicate. You know, like a a PhD student or someone working at a university your entire life, so to speak, to this project, you know, time, uh, time, other things that you have to do also took up your time. But that said, if you had more time. What other sort of things would you add to improve this study? Well, I noticed that one of the biggest challenges
1: with the study was that oftentimes the participants couldn't actually fully complete the room. And so that resulted in a inconsistent data as sometimes it'd be going further up the mountain or further along, you know, the plank or further on the skyscraper. Um, And other times they wouldn't be going as far. And so what that means is they're not being exposed to the same environment each time. So had I had more time, I would have established, you know, a procedure, maybe the first day they only go a couple steps in or having it tested to make sure that the patients could actually go through and complete the room each time. So we're still augmenting their fear, but we're also getting consistent data, Um, if, if that sort of makes sense, as well as what I wanted to do with more time is I wanted to kind of establish a better procedure for the actual testing, so we could have more consistent data. You know, one of the problems is we used a wrist-based heart rate monitor to measure their heart rate, and as we know, those can be kind of off in their heart rate at any given moment by about 20 beats per minute. So in the end, I think that, yeah, the study was pretty effective in terms of what it could actually do, but in the context of how I actually completed it, I think that there's a lot of improvements in, towards of, in terms of its accuracy.
0: So this is pretty new stuff for many schools and people listening out there. Can you uh, perceive other science teachers or other students who might be doing a project like uh, 20% time or sometimes it's called Genius Hour where kids do independent projects like this. Could you perceive virtual reality being used for other types of projects in different subjects? And if so, how, what would that look like? Yeah, totally. I think that... In education, VR is really,
1: really, uh, it's a really helpful tool because it augments the learning in a sense where you're not just kind of seeing information and imagining how it happens, but you can actually experiment with it and see it in the real world. What we see, you know, is in the 21st century we're shifting towards more hands-on learning, we're shifting towards an environment where students aren't just, you know, reading off of a textbook or taking notes, but they're actually experiencing you know, these philosophies, theories and these ideas in real life. And I think VR has great potential to do that because it creates an environment and students can experience this and it's not that expensive. Uh, it's not that expensive to achieve as you can get Google Cardboard for like two or three dollars and it just needs a cell phone and so I think that's kind of where the potential for VR is is it's creating environments that you can't actually go visit in the classroom so students can experience what they're learning in almost real life but I think one of the challenges with that in creating products is that it's not perfect as a technology Uh, a there's a lot of bugs and there's a lot of tweaking and testing that you have to do with it in order to get it work perfectly and then the other side of that is it's not perfect reality that's demonstrating in uh, science and technology they refer to this as uncanny valley and it's kind of saying that uh, the the concept is actually much more advanced but the general idea to it is that you know no matter how realistic technology gets it still can't perfectly replicate human interaction and so, what that means for VR is that no matter how good the technology gets, no matter how good the graphics are, no matter how good the display in the VR headset is, it's still not going to repli- perfectly replicate human life. And that's definitely a huge limiter in its potential for studies like this, where we're actually trying to, you know, alter the identity, alter the way someone thinks.
0: Okay. So let, let's keep let's keep going on that vein. In other words, the proponents of VR are saying that because it is relatively immersive that it can create greater empathy than watching say a tv show which is only in 2d so let's look at some of the things like slum tourism for example slum tourism which means people are traveling paying money to go see these slums and maybe because they see these slums firsthand through a tour organization that they might donate more money. Could virtual reality act as a substitute for people going to see
1: these slums firsthand? Absolutely, I think it could. I think that virtual reality totally has the potential for empathy experiences like that. And that, that's actually very similar to the study that I did where I'm trying to augment you know, the way someone thinks, the way someone behaves, and the way someone perceives information through virtual reality. But again, we have to come to the conclusion that our human brains perceive real life as real life and it's still always going to be, tell, be able to tell the difference between virtual reality and real life. So, you know, it's effective up until this point where you become kind of tolerant to the VR and you become kind of you know immersed and you're able to easily distinguish between virtual reality and real life. And so I think that totally we could use it to develop empathy, but only to an extent and not as a perfect solution. We're, we're never gonna be able to substitute VR for, you know, 100% real
0: life experience. So where else would you see, besides we talked about empathy for a bit, where else could you see VR helpful, you know, maybe in education or quite possibly in other areas besides just education?
1: You know, I think it has huge potential in almost every aspect of real life. What we see is that, you know, in psychology it obviously has the potential to augment people's you know perceptions of reality and so we can use that to deal with uh, conditions like depression and anxiety and you know phobias like the fear of heights I think it has great potential in the design world you know and in designing cars and in designing other products like that because the designer can actually visualize what they're building right in front of them and see it without having to go through the costs of actually making a makeup and making a model of that um, as well as you can test things like aerodynamics and you can test things like efficiency with cars without actually having to go into a wind tunnel and test the vehicle. I think it's going to save a lot of money in the future in design, and I think it's going to save a lot of time for designers.
0: So I want to be a naysayer for a minute. It's so great, first of all, to get a student perspective on these tools and technologies sometimes we forget the student voice and so I'm really appreciative that you're able to come on the show today to talk about the student voice and what the students thinking. So the biggest thing in schools especially is administrators who are sort of holding the money and they ultimately are the ones that are allowing teachers in you know in the building to spend this money you know, if you had a conversation with an administrator, would you recommend to them that they spend maybe $10,000 to buy four VR units or do you think that that economically right now at this point in time is just not a, a good sort of use of school money? You know, I think VR is an investment and if a
1: school is going to invest in it, that's their decision. But what they need to recognize is that in order to really utilize VR is you have to adapt your curriculum. Because in my educational experience, what I see is that all these teachers really want to use VR because they see its potential to, you know, augment what they're learning, what students are learning. But the problem is is it doesn't fit into the curriculum and, you know, schools are faced with the problem of time. And so teachers are almost afraid to use this technology because they don't know if it's going to be 100% effective in augmenting their learning and they don't know if it's going to, you know, be 100% effective in developing the curriculum they're trying to teach. And so I think that if the school is going to make the investment of ten, fifteen thousand dollars into VR technology, like you know, HTC Vives and Oculus Rifts, they need to be ready to adapt their curriculum to virtual reality so it can actually become effective in how we're teaching and how we're learning.
0: Elon Musk would say that to be innovative will breed innovation in other avenues and areas. So, you know, in a school, for example, let's say a teacher does a deep dive or uh, go into convincing their principal to get virtual reality or these higher end VR units, then Elon Musk would say what that would do then is breed innovations in other areas around the school besides just VR. What are your thoughts to sort of that Elon Musk philosophy that, you know, new? emerging disruptive technologies will breed innovation elsewhere.
1: You know, I think that can come into kind of two channels. The first channel is, you know, actually how VR augments innovative, I- innovation, right? And so what we see is that, you know, if people are experiencing stuff like climbing in VR, they might be more... Um, inclined to actually try climbing in real life and that maybe could start a climbing program at the school or you know you know senses like that as well as the fact that actually experiencing this new innovative technology might make you more inclined to say oh if vr is so great well what are these other technologies like 3d printing and laser cutting looking like and it might make the school more inclined to invest into those technologies so i think it comes in kind of those two avenues of a vr the experiences you what you experience in vr leads you to be more innovative and then B, you know experimenting with actual VR might make you more inclined to experience and play around with other technologies.
0: The other thing that that made me think about, especially with the Elon Musk situation, is I can't remember how many times his SpaceX rockets did not work. How does VR support sort of that thinking that failure is okay?
1: Um, You know, again, I think that VR creates an environment where failure is acceptable. Right, you know, maybe we're doing an experiment and something goes wrong. Well, you're fine because it's in VR. Whereas if you're doing that experiment in real life, you know, people could get injured and things could go really wrong. So I think it creates an environment because education is all about learning, and in order to learn, sometimes you have to fail. I just think VR creates an environment where failure in some high stakes environments can be okay and they can be you know acceptable. And so I think that's that's actually a really essential component of VR.
0: Wow thanks for coming on the show today. Some really neat conversations. You know what I liked about our conversations was how, you know, it didn't just focus in on your specific study. Your study sort of led us to talk about so many other things that make education exciting right now to be in, as well as, you know, like I said, getting the perspective of a student and what they're thinking and feeling in regards to new technologies like VR has been so helpful. So I really appreciate you coming on the show.